0: Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Sir of Priests for Life on this uh, Sunday evening, June the twenty sixth, coming to you live, and uh, it's so good to uh, have you with us. Uh, oh my goodness, this is uh, the first time I'm uh, I'm coming to you with. Uh, uh, after our incredible time on Friday when we were with you live at, uh, from the National Right to Life Convention, and we saw the court uh, overrule Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey, isn't it still just? Sinking in uh, the, the, this this incredible news, uh, it, it, it's going to take a while to uh, sink in and to appreciate the, the 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 historic moment that we're in, the incredible thing that has just happened. Uh, I am uh, so happy to see your comments. Please. Bring me your comments, bring me your questions, bring me your thoughts. Uh, I'll be uh, happy to answer questions and uh, and chat with you during this live broadcast uh, uh, tonight. Um, As Ricky is saying, uh, God's miracles uh, happen. It is very much a, a miracle. I mean, it is very much a miracle in the sense that for so many years, so many people felt like, you know, is this really... Uh, going to happen? Can this really happen? Will it happen in our lifetimes? And as many of you have heard me say on the road over the years, we will see in our lifetime the victory over Roe versus Wade. I have been saying that for a very long time, and praise God we have seen it happen. Let me go right to this question from Pat. How do we respond to the statement that all abortions now will be illegal, even in the case of risk to the mother's life? Where can I find the facts to respond to this? Very simply, in the decision itself. I want to urge everybody to read this decision Uh, right there on supremecourtvictory.com, right there on uh, that website, which we have set up and used uh, throughout this case for information. Uh, In fact, I um, have here one of the quotes from it. It's from Justice Kavanaugh's Uh, opinion which he wrote uh, separately Uh, and let me just uh, read this because it summarizes exactly what the court says in this decision and it's very crystal clear throughout the decision what they are doing Justice Kavanaugh writes the court's decision today properly returns the court to a position of judicial neutrality on the issue of abortion and properly restores the people's authority to resolve the issue of abortion through the processes of democratic self-government established by the Constitution. To be sure, many Americans will disagree with the court's decision today. That would be true no matter how the court decided this case. Both sides on the abortion issue believe sincerely and passionately in the rightness of their cause, especially in those difficult and fraught circumstances, the court must scrupulously adhere to the Constitution's neutral position on the issue of abortion. Now, this doesn't mean that we cannot amend the Constitution. Uh, really, the ultimate goal here is to amend the Constitution to recognize the right to the uh, of the unborn. But amending the Constitution is not something that the nine justices on the Supreme Court do. It's something that we, the American people, do. And before we get to the point where we accomplish that we have to get to the point where we make abortion illegal but that's not what this decision does as as the justice here says and as the majority opinion of which he is part uh, also says we're just letting you the people work this out through the democratic process of self-governance that's it the proof of what this says is in the text of the decision itself so I really do urge you just to go and, 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 and read the decision and uh, you'll have there, you know, you'll have it from the horse's mouth. So let's turn to the Lord and pray. We have a, a lot more to discuss and I want to hear your, uh, your, uh, your thoughts and, and questions. But let's pray. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God of life, God of providence, of history, for this incredible victory, this immense moment of import for our country, for the unborn, uh, for all of us, especially, Lord, for us who have been laboring in this cause for decades. Uh, This is a moment of of gratitude uh, to you that we have accomplished the goal of getting rid of Roe v.ersus Wade. Lord God, we had to get rid of this decision because of the damage that it does. The harm that it brings, the death and destruction that it that it, it it brings to to so many people and families, and to our entire society, uh, we thank you, Lord, that we have now put it in the past, and that now we can build a culture of life more freely, more effectively. May we do that, Lord, with your grace and strength, as we continue to advocate for the youngest of the young, the weakest of the weak, the most dependent of all the children in the womb, we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. So the the bottom line question, which some of you are asking in various different uh, words, is what is the next step? So first of all, uh, the work of the pro-life movement in many ways remains exactly what it has been. What we do is we persuade the American people that abortion is wrong. We persuade through the educational work of the pro-life movement that the unborn child is a child and that that child has to be protected because he or she is human. So the educational work of the pro-life movement continues just as always. The legislative work of the pro-life movement, working with lawmakers, and that includes, first of all, electing them, electing pro-life lawmakers, continues just as it was as well. Because here's the difference. The difference is not so much in the kind of um, work we do to pass pro-life laws, and that's both on the congressional, federal level and on the state level. The difference is what will happen to those laws once they're passed. In other words, let's say, for example, the state of Mississippi passed a 15-week law, so after 15 weeks you can no longer get an abortion. Now, here in Florida, in just a few days, on July 1st, the 15-week law that Governor DeSantis signed a couple of months ago will go into effect. If Roe v. Wade were still in place, as it was up to two days ago, these laws would not be able to go into effect. All the work has been done to pass the laws, all the work has been done to debate them and to persuade legislators to vote for them, but they wouldn't have been allowed to take effect because Roe says you can't protect the babies before viability. And now we can say Roe said past tense. You can't protect the babies before viability. Now that roadblock is taken away. So what's next? We continue passing the laws we've been working on. And now we have the full expectation. We have the, we have judicially, we have the assurance they will not be blocked. That's no more basis for blocking them. What this decision has done, in fact, is has opened the door for any reasonable law on abortion. Reasonable meaning, not that the court has to agree with it. The court doesn't have to agree with it. The court just has to say, be able to see, if it gets challenged in court, has to be able to see that the state had a legitimate interest that it was pursuing in a reasonable way. Well, protecting life in the womb is a legitimate interest of the state. Even Roe and Casey indicated that the state had an interest in protecting the unborn. They just then arbitrarily drew a line before which they couldn't do it. They said the state has an interest in doing it. Then they said you can't do it. But now that you can't do it has been taken away. So don't think that the work of the pro-life movement has changed too much. If anything, it's become easier, but it's the same kind of work. It is the fact that we know that the court has no longer put that boundary in the way, saying oh, we're going to strike down these laws that protect the unborn, means, if anything, that we'll be more bold in the kind of laws that we will uh, introduce, in the kind of laws that we will debate, and ultimately, uh, ultimately pass. Um, okay. Now, now, Dennis is saying something. I was actually going to ask all of you about this. Um, the priest at Mass didn't even mention Roe getting overturned. Friends, could you tell me in the comments, because I'm very interested to hear this. Our executive director, Janet Marana, uh, told me this today. When she was at a Mass at a very large church here in Florida. And she said the same thing. The priest didn't even mention anything about Roe versus Wade. The priest didn't even mention anything about abortion or anything about this great victory um by the way if we could put uh, uh, on the uh, logo on the on the bottom of the screen there's supremecourtvictory.com uh that would be uh, that would be good uh um and i want because i want to remind you friends to constantly go go and use that website um uh for information on this case again it's including as i said the reading of the decision itself uh, but the um uh my goodness did did the did the priest or if you're not a catholic your 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 pastor at sunday service today even mention this i was invited today to speak in a big um uh a, a big church in uh, tampa in tampa florida uh, 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 uh g to g Glory to Glory, uh, Ministry, and uh, the Bishop Aubrey Shines. Uh, so I had an interdenominational uh, service today that, uh, at which I preached for almost an hour. And it was all about uh, this great victory, and the people were just so jubilant and rejoicing and uh, uh, thanking God for this great victory. One would think that something that the church has advocated for For almost five decades, I mean, the church was very clear right from the beginning. Roe v. Wade is an abomination. It is wrong. It has to be overturned. Here we are 50 years almost. We finally reached this goal. Well, you know why a lot of these clergy uh, didn't speak about it today? It was a very simple reason. Because many of them have been practicing, for years or decades, they've been practicing not to mention it. That's why I didn't mention it. They haven't been mentioning it all along. Time for them to repent. Time to open our mouths. In fact, I was asked that today because after the sermon, the pastor where I preached today in Tampa, did sort of a, a little brief interview with me, question and answer in front of the congregation. And that's one of the things he said here. You know, what do he say to these pastors that haven't been involved at all in this issue? Said, well, there's always time to repent. There's a lot more work to be done. Let's keep doing it. It's going to have even more of an effect now and mobilize your people to do uh, that uh, work. Okay, so what is the next step for Priests for Life is one of the questions. And of course, that relates to uh, the question I was just answering in terms of the work remains the same, it remains very much the same, but it's going to have more of an impact. Uh, there will be new work, of course, even more state legislative activity. There's been more pro life state activity over these recent years than ever because there's been a growing confidence. A lot of that is thanks to President Trump putting hundreds of judges in place who are pro life. If the judges are, are, are um, and yeah, you know, We have to be careful when we say this, uh, though, because it's not the idea isn't that we put judges on the courts who agree with our policies. It's that we put judges on the courts who agree with our philosophy of what the courts are supposed to do, namely not set policy, but rather apply the Constitution. If you apply the Constitution as it's written, you're going to let the people decide what the law should be on abortion. You're not going to pretend that there's some kind of constitutional right to it. And that is where where we come out ahead when we put in these kind of of judges. And because there are more such judges because of President Trump, including the three he put on the Supreme Court, all of whom ruled the right way in this case, we have more confidence. The lawmakers have more confidence, and that's why they're passing more pro-life laws. Uh, let's see. Now, Cecilia is asking, how likely is it that abortion will be codified into law? The words fill me with grief and fear. What the other side has to do now that they have not been used to doing is make their case. It has become harder. As of Friday, it has become harder for the pro-abortion people to pass pro-abortion laws. It has become harder for them to codify. See, what they were talking about was codifying Roe v. Wade. They can't do that anymore because Roe v. Wade doesn't exist anymore. What they can do is to try to pass laws like New Jersey recently passed or Colorado. or just going to legalize abortion. We're going to make it legal, you know, no restrictions, legal up to birth and whatnot. The problem is, okay, so this decision of Dobbs gives those lawmakers in those states the ability to do that I mean the, the, they have the ability they're lawmakers but you see now if they're going to do that they have to do it based on the merits of the argument that somehow this is a good idea that somehow abortion is a good thing to legalize and and when and, and again when the Democrats talk about codifying Roe v Wade they don't know what they're talking about it's not it would not reflect the laws that they have introduced they voted on the law in congress they failed i'll tell you why but it doesn't codify roe v wade it goes way beyond roe v wade because remember roe v wade allowed for certain restrictions and prohibitions on abortion in the later stages of pregnancy. These laws we're seeing pop up in New Jersey, Colorado, and other places don't have any limit on abortion. That's what they're talking about. They want to codify an unlimited right to abortion. Yeah, but you see now they're going to have to make their case in order to do that. They're going to have to persuade the lawmakers, which in turn means they have to persuade enough of the people because those lawmakers know the people can vote them out of office. You see, that's what we could not do with the Supreme Court justices. We can't vote them out of office. We can't even lobby them. And that's why they're not supposed to set policy. Lawmakers set policy, but they're accountable to us because we have to vote them in or out. The reason it's harder for the other side to do this is that they cannot rely now on the idea that abortion is already guaranteed as a constitutional right. If it's already guaranteed as a constitutional right, well, it's easy to pass a law to say it's legal. Well, because it's a constitutional right. But if you take that constitutional right basis away, then what they, in other words, what this Dodge decision has done is take it's taken abortion down out of the realm of it has some kind of special constitutional status, even if it's not considered a fundamental right, as initially it was the idea in Roe v. Wade. That was taken down a few notches by Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which says, yes, it still has a constitutional status, but it's not quite on the level of a fundamental right. Now it's been brought all the way down the ground level, if you will, in the sense that constitutionally, whether it's legal or illegal doesn't depend anymore on the courts. You understand what we're saying? It doesn't depend on the courts. So if the people in New Jersey want to pass a law unlimited abortion, they can do that, but they've got to do that based on this is the will of the people, not this is a provision of the Constitution. OK, I hope that's clear, uh, but it should give us confidence. You know, we can. The other side is, is you know, these are always mind games being played here and they want to play on our emotions and they want to get their base all riled up and they want to get us afraid. No, they're the ones that need to be afraid because, you know what, the American public is not persuaded by their idea that abortion should be legal without any limits. And we know that they don't believe their own rhetoric because look at the way they're behaving. Melting down, going crazy. Now, if they believed that the people were with them, they'd be calm and cool and collected and say, okay, don't worry about this. We're going to go to our lawmakers. They're going to agree with us because most people agree with us and we're going to get our pro-abortion law passed. Notice they're not behaving that way. They're not even going to the state houses. They're going to the homes of the justices where they were trying to persuade them. What great courage, right? Justice Kavanaugh what great courage justice thomas justice gorsuch justice barrett justice alito in overruling roe and casey these five people did it five people did it despite threats protests they did it they stuck to their positions And they use the authority granted to them by the Constitution. One of the things this decision points out, by the way, is that if the Supreme Court makes a mistake interpreting the Constitution, that's a particularly important reason for correcting their mistake. They need to correct their mistake, which is what they did in this case. Not every decision of the Supreme Court is is uh, an interpretation of the Constitution. The, 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 the issues at stake in a particular case may simply be the, the uh, uh, you know, are usually the rights, okay, between one party and another and how, those, how that conflict is going to be resolved between the two parties. It's not always a matter. It's usually not a matter of constitutional interpretation. But when it comes to here's what the Constitution means, here's what it said, those kind of cases, they've got to get it right because here's the implication of getting it wrong. The American people don't have a legislative fix for that. If something is a matter of the Constitution, that's the supreme law of the land. It's the Constitution. So any other law has to accord with the Constitution. That's why, again, until Roe got reversed just the other day, a lot of pro-life laws got passed, but they got blocked by the courts. They weren't able to be enforced. So if it's a matter of interpreting the Constitution, the court has got to get it right. If they make a mistake, they have got to correct it like they just did in this decision. Because otherwise, there's no recourse on the part of the people except a process that is extremely difficult that is amending the Constitution. And they recognize this. They mentioned this in this decision that, hey, listen, we, <laughs> we made a mistake. This is a decision of great humility when you think about it, right? We made a mistake. We made an egregious error, not just an error, an egregious error that did a lot of damage. Not the least of which, I mean, obviously, the people that it damaged, the people that it killed, 63 and a half million, by the way, is the, is the proper statistic since Roe v. Wade, 63 and a half million. And for every baby, a mom, a dad, four grandparents, others in the family, But it did harm to the people's understanding of the court. It concentrated all the decision-making power over abortion policy in the nine justices on the court. That just skews our understanding of self-governance. We don't govern ourselves through unelected judges. We govern ourselves by electing lawmakers that agree with our policies and then lobbying them and working with them uh, to to create those policies. I like uh, a comment about Justice uh, Scalia looking down from heaven and and then Justice Thomas also being sent as an angel. Uh, Christopher is saying Justice Thomas will go down in history as an awesome patriot. Uh, Yes, he certainly will. Uh, I've been privileged to... uh, to have uh, several discussions with him uh, over the years and uh what a very humble man great man of faith and uh and i've been able to have discussions with justice alito uh he is also a, a, a just a man of great integrity and faith and uh, uh love of this country um the both of them part of this great decision uh that has just been uh been handed on. Um, Diane is saying, in terms of my question about uh, pastors, that the pastor at her Catholic church said, now we have this historic ruling, we must continue helping women before and after their pregnancies. You see, uh, like I said before, the pro-life movement's work, in so many ways, continues on just just as it has been precisely in this arena as well, because those that are pregnant and in need, it's not like we're going to start helping them. We've been helping them all along. There would be far more abortions in America than there are currently a million a year. There would be way, way more if the pro-life movement were not doing its work already of standing with these women, running the pregnancy centers, which outnumber the abortion facilities by almost a margin of four to one. Uh and that work will continue. Will it expand? Well, yeah, there will be more more moms who need um, this help, but we shouldn't. We have to understand clearly what these laws do when, when the state laws now, and I'm going to tell you in a moment what else is going to happen um, with these state laws, thanks to Dobbs. Even when it's not a law that outright prohibits abortion, but let's say it's a law that just regulates it. Like, for example, she has to be given information about the baby and, and wait 24 hours uh, before getting the procedure instead of being able to just walk in and get it right away. That, these kinds of laws that the states have already been able to enact save a lot of lives. Even if you put a little obstacle in the way, many, many of these moms end up choosing life. Don't think that, you know, the other side wants us to think that, oh, these women are in, you know, these critical uh, situations where they are bound and determined they will crawl over broken glass in order to get their abortion no matter what. Oh, no, that is not the situation. We encounter, we've been working with these these moms, the pregnancy centers working with these moms and dads for decades. And the analysis of how the state laws save lives makes it very clear that you put even a small obstacle in the way to getting an abortion, and lives are saved. She goes through with the pregnancy. She's already ambivalent about the abortion anyway. Um... Let me see some of these other questions, and I want to explain to you some of the other implications uh, of this decision. Uh, Again, again, use this decision. Read the decision. SupremeCourtVictory.com. Here's one of the things that... um, uh, Oh, let's see. What's what's Steve saying here? Um, Uh... I'm sorry. I got to read this question here. The liberals and communists are trying to use this saying. We now have children that won't get fed and other help that is needed. Uh, This is supposed to be a faith-based issue. These children, not aborted, will a church help these babies? Uh, Okay. You know, uh, you know, it's truly amazing how simplistically some people are thinking about abortion. Zero sum, right? Either they're killed or they're sitting there and not going to get fed or helped. These people have no basis in reality. The children that were scheduled to be aborted, and the mom, because somebody intervened, or maybe the law intervened, and their lives were saved, guess who feeds them? the loving parents who are thanking God every day that somebody helped them choose life. That's who feeds them. We have to to make sure that we're... And this is not primarily faith-based either. This is constitutionally based, this decision. Let's understand something. The Dobbs Supreme Court decision, reversing Roe v. Wade, does not take a position on... The abortion issue pro-life pro-choice it doesn't take a position on whether abortion should be legal or illegal it does not impose a policy on the nation regarding abortion doesn't do that it says instead of nine people deciding the legality of abortion in some kind of uniform policy for the whole nation We're going to let 330 million American citizens decide it, and we're going to allow the United States of America to have the flexibility of having an extreme abortion-on-demand policy if the legislators of New Jersey want to do that. And if the people of, like in Oklahoma want to protect all the babies right from the beginning, they can do that too. Now, we don't agree, of course, that the right to life is dependent on geography. We don't. But as a matter of constitutionality, this court is not taking an opinion on abortion. It's saying you, the people, work it out. Now, we believe that if the people are allowed to work it out, to debate it, and to know that the policies they set in place are not going to be blocked by the courts, we're going to end up on the side of life. There's a lot more work to be done, and it'll take a lot more time. But we're going to end up on the side of life. Uh, let me see now what other... Uh, will fun, Oh, okay, so funding. Will federal funding be taken away from Planned Parenthood? Again, it depends on the lawmakers. won't happen automatically, but the lawmakers can no longer use abortion being a, quote, constitutional right as a basis for denying the... the uh, Uh, as a basis for providing the funding. You see what I mean? In other words, the the legislative uh, effort to say we're not going to, you know, I mean, the court, first of all, the Supreme Court has already ruled, it ruled shortly after Roe v. Wade, that even though the court considered abortion a constitutional right, that did not mean the state had to pay for it. So funding for abortion was able to be diverted from abortion to choosing life. So the state, up until Friday, which was required to recognize the the constitutionality of abortion, was not required to fund it. And that's why we've been successful with many measures to um, defund Planned Parenthood. Not completely. There's a lot of funding pouring into Planned Parenthood. Now it will be... It will be easier to get such laws enacted to take away the funding and that's one of the things of course that has to be done quickly again it doesn't happen automatically because of the decision but it takes away uh, a basis for the other side to insist on the funding it's no longer a constitutional right um, uh, and this is uh, and by the way a lo- a number of the states now have been passing constitutional amendments Declaring that a right to abortion is not in their constitution on the state level, nor to the funding of it. In other words, anti-funding measures being declared in the state constitutions is an important thing that's happening here. Uh, and, they're, and they're saying, we do not have the obligation to fund this, uh, this procedure. Okay, now let me explain to you another thing that happens as a result, and is going to happen in these days now, as a result of this Dobbs decision. We already see it happening. About 13 states have trigger laws. These were laws that were put into place. And, and by the way, feel free to continue uh, asking uh, questions and uh, as we continue this discussion. The um, laws say if Roe versus Wade is reversed then our state will begin protecting the unborn at whatever level the trigger law indicates. The reason for the trigger was precisely that Roe v. Wade was the roadblock in the way, like I explained before, of these laws taking effect in the first place. So now Roe v. Wade has been taken away. So these trigger laws now go into effect. And what happens is that there has to be a... um, Uh, there has to be a step taken There has to be proper. When there's a law in effect, people have to be properly notified that this is the law, right? So um, uh, uh, a declaration needs to be made by the competent authority within the state that this law now, uh, based on previous legislative uh, arrangements, uh, the law has already been duly passed, signed we now indicate and tell the people it is in effect. And this has now been happening even in just over this weekend. We'll see more of that in the coming days. What we will also see is this, and, and you may not have heard much uh, talk about this just yet, but that there are dozens of cases on abortion in the federal courts. Dozens. And the state courts too, but different situations talk about the federal courts, the district courts and the appellate courts have a whole bunch of cases percolating about abortion. And a year ago, when the Supreme Court said it would take this Dobbs case and resolve the question about whether bans on abortion before viability are constitutional, a lot of these judges on these lower courts who, when Roe was in place, were obliged to apply it to the case in front of them pushed a pause button and said, before we decide this case, let's see what the Supreme Court says in Dobbs. The laws, many pro-life laws, some of them, for example, prohibiting uh, dismemberment abortion or prohibiting uh, late-term abortion, um, uh, they were enjoined, right? The courts enjoined the law. Maybe a district court enjoined it, and they were appealed to an appellate court. Bottom line is the law was, was, again, had been passed, but it wasn't in effect. Those injunctions now, what happens in a state where they have a pro-life law and it's tied up in litigation uh, and it's not being implemented because it's tied up in the courts? Now the attorney general of that state goes to the court and says, the Supreme Court has taken abortion out of the court system, put it back in the hands of the people, So our law was already decided by the people. It should go into effect. That's what's going to happen as we speak. I'm sure many of these these, these steps will be taken tomorrow if they weren't taken already on Friday. In other words, uh, these cases are all going to be resolved. It's not just about the one Dobbs case or the one Mississippi law. It's now about all these pro-life laws and all these other states that are under litigation. The injunctions are going to be lifted. The case is resolved in favor of the pro-life law. Why? Because the people of the state worked it out with their legislators, just like the Supreme Court in Dobbs says should happen. Okay, let's see... Uh, Another, uh, Father, is there any credibility to the threats made against pro life people, offices, and churches? Well, we are taking them seriously because these people are crazy. And uh, so we have, um, uh, well, I, I actually have had extra security for years because back in New York there was actually a guy that did prison time because he threatened a number of pro-life leaders, including me and uh, he was investigated and uh, in fact it was a credible threat and the guy was imprisoned um, And we know the violence has been I mean dozens and dozens of, 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 of uh, acts of violence have happened uh, since uh, the uh, well since the leak came out, the leaked draft that ended up being the real decision, uh, with some some adjustments, some edits, but nothing substantially changed. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, there's been some disruption, some some vandalism of churches, and, and and the pregnancy centers have have been a target of of all of this. And uh, so we take the the uh, threats seriously. We rely on you know, there's never any regret in reporting to the authorities the uh, threats that you get and let them determine how real or how dangerous they are. And I know I speak for, uh, you know, the the rest of the leadership in the pro-life movement when uh, I say we are not we are not deterred in any way, you know, we're not going to get paralyzed with fear And oh, We better not we better keep a low profile because these people are threatening us. We're not going to keep any low profile but we take the necessary precautions and uh uh you know it's important for all of us really all of you i mean the other side they don't distinguish i mean if we're pro-life we're pro-life we're their enemy uh and so take threats seriously um but go about your work without fear that's the that's the balance that we have to have um diane is saying i'm afraid the blue states will be more aggressive with abortions and go full steam ahead even with late-term abortions. They will, and they will in in, um, in, in in two or three ways. They'll try to pass legislation. Now, I mentioned before, even the Congress tried to pass this extreme late-term abortion legislation. Schumer had the Senate vote twice. Pelosi had the House vote. The House passed it. It's always easier to pass things in the House than it is in the Senate. It's the way it's structured that way, purposely. And, uh, but it failed in the Senate both times. Friends, you know why it failed and why it will fail again? Because it's too extreme. It's too beyond the pale of where um, uh, the American people are. Now, have certain states succeeded in passing these late-term abortion laws? Yeah, they have because of the the makeup of that particular state's uh, uh, lawmakers. It was when, for example, the legislature in New York, just a few years ago, when it got completely under Democrat control, that is when they passed their extreme abortion law, 2019. Before that, the legislature was partially uh, under the control of the Republicans. That was the that was the uh, the the the, uh, the firewall. That was the why they didn't get this because uh, they had tried before the Democrats in New York to get an extreme abortion law. It all depends on the, the you know on these midterm elections, not only the control of Congress but the control of the state legislators, legislatures, get the Republicans into power. Vote, Republican vote, pro-life. That's the pro I mean the, the division it's it's cross party lines. It's just it's just the way it is. Uh, it's a cross party line. it's a, this issue is divided along party lines. You want to know who the pro-life candidate is, look at the Republican candidate. You want to know who the pro-abortion candidate is in a race, look at the Democrat candidate. With very few exceptions, that's going to be the case. So will they try to do this? Of course. They'll try to do it with the laws. But, you know, again, it's harder for them now. They could do it before. they say, oh, well, it's a constitutional right. We should protect it. Now they're going to have to make their case as to why it's good to dismember babies. But they'll try it in a different way, too. And folks out in Kansas and folks up in Michigan pay attention to this. And various other states are going to have these battles. We'll be having shows where we go into this in great detail. Constitutional battles on the state level. Let's See, what the Supreme Court has now clarified, that the federal constitution does not guarantee right to abortion, the pro-abortion people are going to try to go to the state constitutions and put either put into them by means of a, uh, an amendment that gets voted on by the people, they're going to try to either put into them a pro-abortion uh, provision or find it there through a court case. It's amazing how they find these rights to abortion, right? And nobody up to now ever saw it there before, but all of a sudden they find this was one of the things the arguments in the Dobbs case is like, you know, stop imagining things that aren't there. It's it's dangerous to think that there's some overriding constitutional provision of liberty, you know, into which you can read whatever you want to read in order for it not to end up just being a policy preference of the judges. This is why the court has as always said, you look back and you have to see it in the history of the, of, the, of the country. What has the opinion of the American people been over our history on a particular issue? The, the opinion of the American people throughout American history and in our laws and in our court decisions and in our, in our state constitutions and in our federal constitution has never been that there's a right to abortion. That was invented in 1973 with Roe v. Wade. And the, the value and the necessity of looking at history, which the Dobbs case does with great, great specificity, is precisely to make the distinction between something that the American people really believe in versus what just the justices believe in. So there will be these battles. There are these battles in Kansas, and Michigan. There's, there's uh, 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 battles going on now that the people have to weigh in on, the people are going to have to vote on. Does our state constitution provide for abortion or not? And we'll, like I say, we'll be giving more details about this. Uh, but those kinds of battles will erupt in other states and have already erupted in other states as well. Again, they have to make their case. Now, they'll lie, so we have to be b- b- vigilant in defeating the lies. Of the pro-abortion people, oh, we want to put a constitutional amendment in there for reproductive choice. We're not talking about reproductive choice; We're talking about killing babies. It's a big difference. We have to keep exposing the lies. Let me see. Uh, uh, Brown uh, Templar is saying, "The uh, uh, science says life starts at conception." Absolutely clear. The science is very clear on this and it is not disputable it's it's simply not um, and uh, let's see what uh some of you are are saying let's all pray that all catholics will be pro-life um absolutely we have to pray that people will wake up to this issue and you know i i, I uh, um, have I, I i have often said uh that the um People who think they have an opinion on abortion first need to look at it. That's why we have the special website, lookatabortion.org. Look at it. When you're talking to somebody who disagrees with you about it, have them look at it. Challenge them, have they ever looked at it before? Because that's where we start. That's where we start, making sure we're talking when we debate this, making sure we're talking about the same thing. Uh, Martha is saying something uh, interesting. The diocese is starting a letter writing project to the legislators. See, this is the kind of stuff that needs to happen, whether it's the diocese that starts it or even a parish could do it, or you can initiate it or get some of your friends writing to the state legislators is important. Get to know your state legislator. I've been saying this for a long time. Now's the time for us to get to know our state legislators. A lot of us don't know them. Uh, maybe we've never met with them. Remember, it's easier to meet with your state legislator than with your federal legislator. you got to try to do both. But let them know who you are. Let them know that you're there. Uh, let them know that the uh, issue is important to you. And, um, Diane is asking, what is Whitmer doing in Michigan now? Well, she's trying to put abortion into the state constitution. Uh, that's the, the kind of battle I was referring to a moment ago. Uh, she is, um, she. Uh, oh my goodness, the governor's race in Michigan uh, this midterm. It's going to be very, very important. Uh, their primary will be coming up on uh, August the 2nd. Will choose the the uh, Republican candidate, and then uh, she has got to uh, she's got to go. She's got to be voted out of office. But yeah, she's trying to get the um, uh, abortion to be recognized in the uh, state constitution. Of uh, uh, Walter is saying, "Father, am I wrong for telling people their souls will be responsible if they vote pro-abortion?" Well, there is responsibility there for sure. I mean, we uh, you know any any of our actions that we take are moral or immoral depending on a number of factors. Is is the action good or is it bad? What is our intention and what are the consequences? So in the voting uh, pro-abortion, this has real world consequences, especially if your vote is in an election that is uh, close. Some elections are decided just by a handful of votes. And especially if that election is going to change the balance of power, we're going to change the balance of power in the midterms between uh, Democrat to Republican control of Congress. That means pro-abortion to pro-life control of Congress. Our votes have really, really big implications. And big implications and consequences mean big responsibility. So, yeah, it's possible to sin by voting the wrong way and of course people differ in what's going through their minds when they cast their vote am i voting because i agree with the person's pro-abortion position or or do i disagree but i'm voting with for uh, voting for them anyway we have to be careful of that one um because uh, the counter countervailing reason for voting for somebody has got to be, you know, on, well, it's hard to think of something that's on par with this, right? Uh, We're talking about the massive killing of, uh, the massive killing of uh, babies. Um, Let's see. Someone is asking why on EWTN pre-saying mass on, on sacred and acknowledge the victory you know it was probably because it it, it, it wasn't out yet because uh, if you're talking about Friday um, the decision wasn't issued until about 1015 in the morning Eastern time the ewTN mass of the day is celebrated at at uh, 8 a.m. Eastern time, but then it's repeated several times throughout the day. So I think that's what what you're why you saw that because uh, uh, the um, it, it just wasn't it just wasn't issued yet, and we didn't know that morning that it was going to be issued. That's why we were sitting at the edge of our seats, uh, watching uh, the uh, uh, the Supreme Court uh, website. Uh, okay, so listen, friends, one other thing I want to say. You know, it's amazing when I come with you, which I so enjoy. We have a nice big audience tonight, and and your questions and comments are great. And the time goes by so fast, so fast. Let me just make one more point. And we'll be back with you throughout this week, by the way, with a lot of live commentary. Janet will be joining me, and we'll be doing a lot. And we're going to unpack this case for you even more. But here's another key Point I want you to remember and start talking about enforcement. The Dobbs case opens the door for a whole lot more pro-life legislation to be passed, and for the pro-life legislation that has been passed to take effect, whether it's a trigger law that 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 um, that goes into effect or whether it's a law that was passed before Roe v. Wade being reactivated, whether it's a new law that is passed, or whether it is a law that has been enjoined by the courts, now that injunction gets lifted because Roe is no more, whether it's any of these things, once the law is in effect, it's got to be enforced. And that's going to be an issue. Because so many people in state uh, b- government positions who are responsible, and federal for that matter, who are responsible for enforcing the law are pro-abortion, and they have the audacity to say, I'm not going to enforce the pro-life laws. There are district attorneys, there are Democrats. There are Democrats around the country that are running in certain states for the position of district attorney or attorney general campaigning on the idea that they won't enforce pro-life laws. We're going to have to enforce enforcement. We're going to have to watch very carefully because if those responsible for enforcing the law do not do so, we've got to call them out on that. The legislature should pass stringent measures to make them accountable for that. And ultimately, you know what the principled thing to do? Of course, if they were principled in their mind and heart and soul, they wouldn't be in favor of abortion in the first place. You can't practice vice virtuously. If you're, I always say if your conscience is so dark and twisted that you'll justify killing a baby, you'll justify doing anything. That's why they can have the audacity to say, oh, I'm not going to enforce the, 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 the pro-life laws. Listen, if your job is enforcing the laws, then either do your job or resign. If you have a conflict of conscience and you say, well, here I am now, and I know it's my my position is that I have to enforce this law, but I don't agree with this law because it's it's taking away the right to abortion. Well, then have the integrity to resign. You can't do your job. Okay, you can't do your job. Bye. Go get a job as a car salesman, or no offense to car salesmen, but go go do something else. You can't stand these these arrogant people. Uh, You know, uh, if you want to take a stand, take a stand for life, but you're taking a stand for what? Dismembering babies? What's wrong with you? There's something really wrong with these people. Deeply wrong. It's evil. It's sick. It's twisted. It's it's it's, you know, you know as well as I do. So, um, but that's going to be an issue. The enforcement is is we got to be talking about it, and we got to let these people know we're going to be watching. Because if they don't enforce the laws, we're going to speak up and do something about it. Okay. Thanks, friends, for uh, uh, spending some time with me. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to, to continue to keep our eyes focused on you. We are jubilant. Uh, that the goal of fifty years of praying and marching and working and 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 so much, Lord, and voting, voting for 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 presidents and for senators who would appoint and confirm the right kinds of justices on the Supreme Court, Lord, it has led to this moment. We thank you for President Donald Trump, who. Uh, without whom we would not have this victory. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for the Senate Republicans who, over the years, conducted these confirmation hearings in the right way and 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 uh, and made sure the right justices were confirmed. We thank you, Lord, for all of this, the fruit of all this work. But we know, Lord God, that this simply puts us into a new phase of work, a work that will be even more fruitful now, that you have taken away this obstacle of this, this fake invented, constitutional right to abortion thank you lord we praise you and we pray in the words that jesus taught us our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever Amen. The Lord be with you. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father Frank Pavone here with Priests for Life. Connect with us in the morning for Mass. I'll be saying the Mass live uh, each day this week, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, and we're going to have a lot of prayers of thanksgiving for the end of Roe versus Wade. Thanks for the role that you have played in that and that you'll continue to play in protecting the unborn. We'll talk to you tomorrow. God bless. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.